0: So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. This is Genesis 1, 20, Male and female, He created them. God created male and female. This is coming from God Himself. This is a picture of what He's saying. There's a thing in, in Scripture called the law of first mention. So when you see something that is mentioned the first time in the Bible, God, by His Spirit, is introducing a topic that you need to base everything else off. And Jesus used the law of first mention. So when he's talking about marriage, it goes back to Genesis. So we need to go back to the beginning to know what to do in the future, always. So Genesis 2 verse 15, which should be behind me, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, eat from it, you will certainly die. There's three things that happen there for men. I'm talking this is this is Adam before Eve, okay? So single guys, if you're sitting here, husbands, this is what we need to be. If you want if you want your marriage to turn on fire, you need to do these three things. You need to carry responsibility, you need to have purpose, not only in the church. But also in in the workplace, make make sure you're moving forward, you're a hard worker, and you live within boundaries. Guys need those three things. We need to have responsibility. We're carrying the weight of something. Guys, by... I mean, look at Caleb. He has big shoulders. Do you want to stand up, Caleb, just as an illustration? Okay. Yo! You can sit down, now, Okay. (laughs) But those guys... It's, it's very rare that you're going to have a, a girl with bigger shoulders than a guy. It just is. Guys, by, by the frame of their bodies, are, are, are built bigger. It's because we, it's a picture that we're called to carry a load and we're called to carry responsibility. And we're called to shoulder the weight of, of plowing forward and, and, and holding things together for our families and for our future. need to work and then you need to have boundaries. Guys need boundaries. We're not called to run and do whatever we want, how we want. There's boundaries in Scripture, and it's no joke. Because you step out of those boundaries, and it brings pain, and it brings division, and it hurts you, it hurts your family, it hurts other people around you. And we need to be a people that are resolute. Can I say that, for guys, we we have to be serious about our purity before the Father. He who has clean hands and a pure heart may ascend the hill of the Lord. Now we know that it's only about Jesus. It's not through effort. It's not for our own effort. It's through trusting in Him. But the thing is, if you have a distorted view of grace, you can, you can think that you're okay, but you're actually not. And we need to be a people, a guys. I'm talking to the guys specifically that we are dealing with stuff in our own hearts. That we are open and honest about where we're at, at any time in our lives. This, it's, this, the, the time is too short for us to play games, to play church, and to mess around. We have to be serious about this thing. He also had the responsibility of telling whoever was in the garden, his future generations, about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There, there was a, a, delegate, a delegation from God to say, okay, You've been given a responsibility, you must work the land, you must work Eden across the earth. Single girls, don't marry a guy who's lazy and doesn't want to work. Marry a guy who's, who's passionate about providing for you, passionate about providing for the family. And I know we live in a time where men and women work, and I'm not taking away from that, because women must soar in their careers, and men must soar in their careers. But there's, there's something in the Bible that speaks about the headship and the authority that rests on a man, and it's, it's, it's his way, and it works. I can give space to a strong wife, my wife Starla, because I'm secure in who I am. I'm secure in what I've called to, be, to do and be. Starla can now step out. I should, in a sense, create so much shade for her to walk into that she never feels constricted. And I think if submission looks to anything else that, that closes a woman off, that, that, that shuts down her gifts, that, that says she's not good enough, it's a misunderstanding and a misappropriation of what the Bible is actually saying. Yeah it's actually that we should give space for women to grow and thrive but because men are running forward at such a pace those of you who are wanting to get married men be strong that is that is we ca- we cannot move that away we cannot uh, the world is wanting to take that away from men they want to demasculize men. And I just think, because obviously it's, it's been messed up and then men have used their authority for their own game. But if, it, if it's used authority, it actually brings women through and it creates space underneath us. Verse 18, it says, The Lord said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, ladies, don't panic. Sinead, don't panic. Help it doesn't mean what you think it is. I'm going to explain it later. I want to focus on the thing that is not good for man to be alone. Paul writes in the New Testament, he says, if you're burning with lust, get married. If, 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 if you can't control yourself, that's basically what he's saying. Get married because it's, it's better you do that than you delve into sin. And um, it's not good for man to be alone. And I was listening to an incredible podcast recently. And I encourage you to go listen to it. If you're single, married, dating, whatever it is, it's in the, on the belonging co, and it's in their conference, and they were just talking really open and honestly, and they were just saying, they were talking about dating, and they asked the guys, like, how do you kind of, in, how do you put yourself out there, and, but not in a way that's like flirty, both guys and girls, that's dodgy, but how do you do it the right way? And he, this guy just said, it says in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And that goes for both sides. And I've been in this, uh, this long enough in ministry to see that those, some people come and say, oh, wow, well, we're not married. I haven't, found a, I haven't found a mate yet. I'm like, okay, what does your week look like? Are you spending time in groups of people where you're actually meeting people of the opposite sex? Are you actually showing that you are interested in the, in the opposite sex? Because some guys and girls can put up just this, this thing of either they're too spiritual, whatever it is, and it just shuts them off. And I'm not saying flirt, I'm not saying, like, you guys know what I'm saying. We have, there has to be an openness. There has to be saying, okay, cool, we, we want to be able to date. We want to be able to find relationships. But not in the, in the point where you have to date someone to figure out who they are. You actually, you can figure out who someone is, because I think, like, serial dating, as we may want to call it, is actually messes up people's hearts. Be sure, if you say, like, if I'm going to be intentional about this girl or this guy, and then say, okay, well, this could look like something in the future. If you can't say that with full integrity in your mind, then it's not worth even pursuing. Because then you're doing it for your own gain and not theirs. And relationship is always about the other person's gain, never about your gain. You gain because you're in a relationship, but your, your heart is always to bless the others. So practically hang out with people. Follow people on Instagram. If it says private, and you request, and they say no, take a hint. Talking to singles yeah, Okay. No one likes a no. It's a no is a no and it hurts, but it's, uh, as this guy was saying that every no gets you closer to your yes. Okay, so that's, that's probably a better way of looking at it. And dating, and I'm saying this to the, the singles in the church, not to the teenagers, because you fall under your parents' authority, hand. And whoever else, Seb, if you're in the room, those whatever your parents have set as boundaries, those are the boundaries that you follow. I'm talking to what I believe, what I see in Scripture is a, is this thing of old school courting, that if you, if boundaries are put in place and aren't crossed, dating can be a healthy thing. But if the moment boundaries are crossed, that's when it gets awkward, and that's when people leave churches and this and that because it's like there's been kind of an awakening of love before it desires, which it says in Song of Solomon. And then it kind of brings a little bit of a mess into play. And we need to follow God's word. And we need to be, we need to be st- this needs to sit in our hearts. There must be attraction, but, no, B-U-T, not B-U-T-T, okay? There must be attraction, but single guys, maybe your standards are too high. And you're waiting for the supermodel that does not exist. Exists on uh, pages of magazines and in movies where they've been so highly edited, and so highly like unreal. And they they, they actually come. If you had to talk to them, there, there's maybe just a shallowness and there's, there's whatever it is. Lower your, you know what I'm saying, my lawyer stand. <laughs> Don't punch above your weight. I don't know how else to say it, but like, there's there's a reality to it because so many people are waiting and waiting because they think, oh, I, I'm like I said in the beginning, guys estimate themselves way higher than they actually are. Okay, let's. I mean, I, I sometimes I'll go to store. I'm like, yeah, I'm losing a bit of weight. She just, I know when she keeps quiet, <laughs> she, she, doesn't want to say, no, Dan, you're still chubby. She just keeps quiet, and I know exactly what she's saying. Okay, so I, I still have a higher estimation of myself. And uh, sometimes I see myself in photos and I'm like, oof, I really look like that? Anyway, that's just the way it is. Girls, this is a little bit harder to talk to. Um, maybe Starla can come up at some point and, and talk to the girls about this. But I know some. there's this thing in Christianity where people write lists and I get that. And that's good and you need to have faith for certain things. But don't like... If your, if your list is like Brad Pitt lookalike, I mean, what is, okay, what's a modern, Zach Efron, okay, Brad Pitt was old school. Zac Efron lookalike, I don't even know if that's a, that's a thing. Um, but you got all these lists and the guy, this guy must have money and this and that. Can I say, even, even around finances, most people grow in their finances. So when you start together, you don't expect him to have what your dad has who's been in his career for 30 years. That you guys are starting together. That, I mean, when Starla and I started together, we like we had zero for a very long time. We literally lived checkbook, uh, checkbook to checkbook. What's it? Uh, paycheck to paycheck. It was just we just it is what it is. I was earning very little bit working at the previous church I was, and at, at least at that time. And they did increase my salary once I grew up a little bit. But um, we grew in love. And someone says all you actually need is a bed at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like when you get married, that's all you need. And it could be a studio apartment, and you guys can think about the rest. Um, Or don't. And then um, verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals. I'm going to go straight to verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought him to the man. Right there. And he brought him to the man. Verse 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Uh, She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man, Adam and Eve. This is why man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. If you're blushing there, there's some way more hectic verses in the Bible around that stuff. But I want to just go make a few comments. And I've said a little bit about it already, but that last verse in 24, it says that a man, there's maturity, leaves, there's a transition. So you have to leave and cleave to your wife. His father and his mother, there's a picture of a whole family. That's what you're going to bring together. They become attached to a new family. His wife, uh, the words his wife is that they actually begin to complement one another. I'll explain about what that is now. And so that brings me on to why do we have marriage? Three points. And there's lots more. But I've only got eight to ten minutes. Number one, friendship. So what I'm not saying is this, that you can only find true friendship in marriage because there's some people that are married and they're not friends and their friends are th- Friendship is found in community. Jesus was single. Paul was single. There's a guy in the, in the UK leads an incredible movement of churches and, and conferences. His name is Mike Pilavachi. He's single. There's uh, a guy called John Stott who's one of the greatest authors um, of our generation evangelical authors of our generation was just a a real saint uh in in the church and he was he was single called to be single so that's what i'm not saying you don't find completeness in you're complete before you come into marriage you don't try to find and be complete when you come into marriage because i can tell you everything that's incomplete outside of marriage is going to be amplified as you step into marriage and I said in the first meeting is that you've got a, a guitar there and if Bruce had to just play that without being plugged in, it would just make a, a noise. So just be like, tring, tring. But if you plug it in, it amplifies the sound. And that's in a sense what happens in marriage. It's just the two become one and you, and you get together and you're like, oh, I was hoping this thing would be sorted out. But it's actually just multiplied. So friendship, why, do we, why is there friendship? Because God is in community. God had the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We made in His image. We made to mirror God. Your spouse is someone you should know better than anyone They should be your best friend. That's, and I'm talking to marrieds, and I'm talking to those who are going to be married, so I'm kind of hitting everyone in the room here. Become good friends. I I love that Starla laughs at my jokes. I love it. I mean, girls, there's another lesson. Um, If you want a guy to know the son, just laugh at his jokes, even if they aren't good. It just, It helps. But I know Starla, Starla genuinely, genuinely likes my jokes, and I'll be in the office, and I'll say something, and Bruce will just go, mm? and then Ryan doesn't get it, and then Starla's just like behind him, like laughing, and I'm like, yes, at least I got one out of three, you know? And, um, but the point is, because we know each other so well, we play, there's a game called Sequence, who's played Sequence before? Can't remember the rules, we played it quite a, quite a while ago, but we had to know each other as couples, and we sat down with Rom Nushi, Ryan and Lauren, and Stala and myself, and we... We thrashed you guys, let's just be honest like <laughs> no just, <laughs> we have a rematch yeah, yeah. and um we we, we, we would like started we were able to communicate exactly what she wanted to say through us because we're so used to doing that in church, I'll look across it and she'd be like, yeah, and we just know what's happening, okay <laughs> friendship the second thing of why we have marriage is that it's we're it's gardening it should be up there. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, the word helper there, I want to explain, is the word ezer. And it comes from the same root word. If you had to go look in Psalm 118, it says, Yahweh is my helper. And it's not, it's not in English, it can become quite a, it's almost, there's not a good translation for me. I think the closest you'd get is, is partner, someone you partner with, you covenant with, and you walk alongside into your future. But that's what God was trying to bring across, that like God helps us in our time of need, so our partner steps alongside us and helps us in our our times of need. Our partner is our Ezra, is our one that walks alongside us. It was also used for the word for military reinforcements. Amazing. So Star, would you mind coming up here? The Bible says that um, God put Adam into a deep sleep, took out a rib, and then formed a woman out the rib. Now... If you go look at commentaries and, and understanding why there was a rib, is because rib is a side-by-side side thing. And we walk together into the future because uh, there's, there's, there's a unity. We're different in so many ways. We, actually. I said, guys need help. That's I, said. I said it's because guys need help. That's why God created women. <laughs> you know, it's very true. We need help. One of the ways that Stalin and I are just complete opposite is is around planning a diary. If you go look at my calendar, it's literally empty. Like, and I, because I'm just like I'm just making space for when people need to see me, you know. But I've got have got lists in different places and all that kind of thing. Where so like one of the things we are planning the conference in two weeks' time. Stalin says, "Okay, come on the Thursday, you're going to go take these guys for lunch. Where are going to go for lunch." I'm like, "Are we thinking about that right now?" The, does it actually matter? And we'll have little arguments in the office and I can just see Bruce like laughing. But it's like, so we like, we. I was like, does it matter where we actually have lunch? And like, so no, Starla, it's on the, it has to be on the schedule. Put on the schedule and then it's done. And I, for me, I like, I have this thing where it, it, it works out. And, and Starler's kind of rebuttal to that is that the only reason it works out is because I planned it, <laughs> which is true. But either way, it works out for me. So it's all good. The Bible also says we must be equally irked in our marriage and in business. That's why it's so important who you partner with in business because, uh, Sean, do you want to come here? You can be, you can be my ox with me. So, Sean, imagine now Sean and I, we're in business together. But Sean is an unsaved man, doesn't know Jesus is going one direction and wants to follow that way around and, and whatever it is. So if we now come, come, come into covenants and say, cool, we're going we're to partner together on a business, we're going to try to plow together, but he's gonna, he may be stronger in his views and in his way of doing it, so he's going to pull harder, and then we're gonna end, I'm going to pull like this, and eventually we're going to end up just going in circles. Thanks, Sean. That for me is a picture of what it means to be equally yoked. It means that you have the same set of ideals, the same future, the same vision, the same purpose, and you walk together, together. That's, that's what Stala and I, even before we got married, we had the same vision and purpose. So when we got married, it was an easy thing. It's like, are we called to be in ministry? It's going to be sacrificial. We're not going to make a lot of money, although God blesses us. It's, it's, it's all of these things, and we're just going to stand alongside each other. Do not compromise in those things. If you've been waiting for a while... Don't compromise for someone who's different or unequal. Because I can tell you, like, it has worked in the past and people have got saved. And I'm not negating all that stuff. But most of the time it ends up being like this. It just ends up going in circles. And there's no forward momentum. Because God has created us as, as man and woman to garden together. We're called to take nations together. The purpose of a, of a, of a, of a godly marriage is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So here's, here's the thing. I'm talking to people in the room. Some of you are single. Some of you have gone through divorce and all of that stuff. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel like I've been put aside. God's forgotten about me. He has not. He's watching over you. He's going to make a plan for you. He's going to restore brokenness. He's going to do all of these things. But that's God wants his plan and his purpose for Adam and Eve was to be fruitful, multiply, have family that goes and spreads across the earth, and Eden is spread across the earth. I wish the Bible ended there on page two. It doesn't. It goes to page three, and Adam and Eve fell, and they sinned. And since then, we've been kind of fighting our way back. And if you want to look at it in three phases, you had creation, and God said everything is good. The only thing he didn't say was good was it's not good that man's alone. Amazing. Creates women, so God always had the intention of woman. We'll talk to him one day and ask him about his thought, thought process around creation. He had creation, then he had they sinned. Decreation and man since then has been sinning. Then Jesus came. As again, the Bible says in uh, Romans 5, as first it came as the second Adam. So uh, the first Adam sinned. The second Adam came, did not sin. We step into the, f- the, the family of faith, and we are now again bringing Eden across the earth. And we do it as couples, and we do it as families. We take our family on mission. Vaughn and Minnan, M- M- I really believe, like, whatever God has planned for you, I know you're in such a transition phase. But Vaughn, like, there's been such a a fast-forward button on your life in terms of the things of God. And we, I, I went to Jason's community group the other night, and I, they read your letter out, and I was like, I joked at the end, I said, signed Apostle Paul. And it just felt like there's been such a fast-forward in your life, and God is going to, wherever you find yourself, and I know it's a job in compliance and whatever it is, but God is going oh, to open doors of ministry for you guys. And I feel like there's been a season of preparation, but God, whatever he has for you in the future is, is big and it's exciting. But don't, don't forget that he's actually called you guys first to minister as a family. You and your two daughters. So I hope that's helpful. We need singles. Girls, don't marry a guy who doesn't have a gardening project. Don't marry a guy with, who doesn't have a purpose, an ultimate purpose on his life. A, he must be working, but I think there must be an aiming for something greater and bigger in the, in the things of God. And guys, on the same notes, don't marry someone who's on a different page to you. You'll just have a really difficult marriage. It could work over time and over years and over counsel and all of that stuff. But that's why we, we're setting up in the next while, we're going to be setting up a pre-marriage course because we want to set people up for victory as much as we can. We've been married 10 years. Who's been married for more than 15 years? Raise your hand. More than 20? More than 30? 30. Wow. 40? 30, 35? 37 years. Wow. Anyone more than that? You guys can get a free coffee at the end, okay? <laughs> if you've had one, you can have another one. Okay. That's amazing. And I think what this also shows is that there's the myth of the one. Now, I see, I sit on like kind of both sides of because I know that Stella and I were put together and we, are, we fit perfectly together. She, she's everything I'm not, and we just, it works. And, uh, and those of you sitting in the room with your partner, you're like, ah, oh, this is my one. But I, I think if, if we have that view, we may, singles, you may miss out on the person that God actually has for you. Did Ruth think Boaz was going to be, I don't know, but she was kind of put into a position and then she eventually became the husband, sorry, the wife. Of poets. be open to what God is saying and on this podcast which is so good please I encourage you to go listen to it but it, this, this woman was saying like, ask God what he wants for you in terms of in a partner ask him don't pitch your list and say God would you bless my list say God what are you wanting for me as a partner and I can tell you that if you marry someone with a heart after God that's going to be way more fulfilling than someone who has a big bank account or is funny, or is uh, whatever. All the things that you may think of in the world, we don't look at those. We we operate on a spiritual level. And then the final thing, and I'm going to be done in three minutes, which we're going to have to get someone else to teach on this in depth, is sexuality. It says they were both naked and unashamed. I must admit, it's not fun being naked, (laughs) especially when you're a little bit on the chub side. Um, But I just wrote, if you're blushing now, you should just look at Netflix, uh, 13 to 16 years old. It's way more hectic than this. And I think the reality is we even as Christians are taking our cue of what sexuality and intimacy is from TV shows. And for those who struggled with pornography and other things, you're taking your cue from that thing. And you're not taking it from the word of God. Because God, and we don't have time to go into all the details. But in Hebrews 13 verse 4 it says, The marriage bed should be honored by all. The marriage bed should be honored by all. And what, the way God sees is that any form of sexuality before marriage, whatever it is, outside of the context of a married relationship, God calls sin. And it is what it is. And that's why I'm saying there's no condemnation here because we can repent. We can have hope in Jesus and say, God, I'm, I've been living like this. I didn't know. Well, I did know and I've been rebellious. And, but actually I come today, I lay my feet, I go on onto my knees at your altar and I say, God, I want to I line up my life with your word. Give me strength to do that. We can't let the hidden things of our lives take over. I think there's... There's so many stories of that, where stuff is is hidden behind doors and closed. We need need to have someone you can trust and walk through and just get stuff into the open and deal with it. Open up your heart. Can we all stand to our feet, please? So can we just close our eyes together? And I want to end where I started that this is a place where Jesus restores, forgives, makes us whole. But the side that we need to to bring before him is a repentant heart. And a repentant heart is is simply this, God, I've been living this way. I know that it's wrong. I know that it's. It's, it's, it's displeasing to you. But today, God, I want to make changes. And whatever that is, it's, it, there's, no, there's no time like the present, first of all. But like I said in the beginning, this isn't a joke. This isn't um, something we play with. This is, this is God's plan. His plan and His purpose is for you to thrive in your sexuality, to thrive, husband and wife, even to thrive in your singleness, to thrive in your dating—that's God. God wants all of that stuff. So I'm just gonna let's just take a moment, and the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, is bringing stuff to people's minds. You can lay it at His feet if you need to come and talk to some of the leaders afterwards. Then you then you must. But this is a moment where we can get serious with our Father. God, we just, David writes and says, would you examine my heart? Would you find any any wicked way in me? And God, if there's there's stuff that is in our hearts, in our minds, in our mindsets, that is displeasing to you, Father, we, we bring it before you this morning. We lay it at your feet and simply you have to say, God, Father, forgive me. And in that second, God forgives you. There may be some healing that needs to take place. Because you've lived in a certain way, in a certain direction for so long. But in this moment, you can repent. You can say, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing, you are bringing change right now to my heart. So can you do that? Just take a moment. For some of you, it's going to mean some decisions. We're going to have to have some serious chats with one another. That's fine. It's because God wants to bring thriving and he wants to bring freedom. That is his goal. Do we trust him enough that his word is enough for us to obey? That his word is that he has good in mind for us. He's not trying to be a killjoy. He's actually got something greater and better planned for you. God wants whole marriages. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just trying to pick up what I feel the Spirit saying, but it is like the holiness of God, yeah? And you can make right with Him. Do not wait. Do not wait another second. God wants a holy people. So God, we bring our sexuality before you this morning. Bring our marriages. Bring our singleness. We bring our dating lives. We bring our engaged lives. And we lay it at your feet. God, would you just bring life where there's been death? Thank you, Father. Amen.